I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jeffrey's in the kitchen cheating on his diet again when the finance book that he's ordered arrives. I'll just read it later, Jeffrey says. And so he goes back to eating his Cheetos. But there's a problem. There's a problem of such immense magnitude, a terrifying problem. A problem that Jeffrey is totally unprepared for. He eats the last Cheeto. I know what I must do. This is my purpose, this is my mission. And so Jeffrey's in the store buying some more crisps, but his cheeks are red with embarrassments. I'm sorry, sir, your card's been declined. Insufficient funds. That hurts like a knife in the gut. The teenager behind Jeffrey whispers, Brokey. Should have just read the book, Jeffrey. Adonis. Adonis is sat outside of his cage, meditating, when the postman arrives and delivers him the book. Adonis smiles. Wisdom. He begins to read the book when suddenly there's commotion, there's screaming, and there's panic. His village is being attacked. With no time to waste, Adonis grabs his spear and he charges straight towards the danger. Whilst all of the members of his tribe are running away, Adonis is running too. But he's doing something odd. He's reading whilst running. And just at that moment, Adonis needs, he reads the exact piece of wisdom that he needed. He puts the book down, he aims with his spear and launches it high into the sky. The spear just glistens in the sunlight. It arcs beautifully and it starts to drop right on track. Donis's spear impales the pirate. He saved the day. Everyone's wondering how he did this. All he can just think to himself is wisdom with a smile. I'm working in my dad's store. This is child labor, by the way. We're there in the corner store. I'm 14 years old and I'm working. I'm doing these mindless tasks. I'm fixing the wrappers of the, the products. I'm working on the till. I'm trying not to look up at the adult magazines on the top shelf. It's a boring day. We're not allowed to look or go onto my dad's computer. This is before smartphones were released. I'm hungry. I'm allowed to have one packet of crisps, but I have to take them from the best before shelf, which my father still sells, but at a reduced price. It's a very slow day. 
finally, after what felt like ages, it's 7 p.m. and it's time to wrap up. We're putting down the shutters, wrapping up the newspapers, closing down the till, and my brother asks my dad, how much have we made today? My dad's there like doing the numbers, he's calculating from the till, counting the cash, and he looks up and he says, today's revenue was 98 pounds. Sounds pretty good. I'm actually kind of impressed, okay? We made 100 pounds in one day, that's pretty good. And this is where my father has to teach me about the concept of profit. 98 pounds was the revenue, but when you minus the original price of the products that we sold, the rent, the electricity, profit, my father says, was 41 pounds. And all three of us look almost ashamed at that. Our entire family worked for the entire day and we made 40 pounds. My friend Harrison, who's also 15 years old, he makes 40 pounds a day in his part-time job as a waiter in a restaurant. I thought it was cool that my dad owned his own business and that, you know, we were there helping out. But this was the moment that I realized that I didn't actually want to go down his footsteps. That I didn't want to be this overworked and underpaid businessman or, or employee. That there's got to be a better way than this. I realized only years later, what my father lacked was not discipline or character traits. He worked very hard. He was told to work hard and that he would make enough money. That's what our like parents' generation was always told. What our parents lacked was education and exposure. They knew that there's some people out there who are making two or three times or four times or five times more than them. Right, our parents always looked up to the doctors and those like professional science degrees and everything. This is why our parents think university is really important because they've looked up to those people that make two or three or four or five times more money than our parents do. But our parents were never exposed to the kinds of people who make a hundred times what they do. Who makes a hundred times more than my father? I do. And the reason why is because of this first book that we're going to discuss today, The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco. I read this book in 2019 as soon as, 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 soon as I graduated from university. I went down the, the script, the path that everyone had said, you know, go to school, study as hard as possible, get a few part-time jobs and stuff, but focus on your studies, graduate and try and get the best job possible, maybe rent, uh, you know, buy a, borrow a car, like get in debt for a car with car finance and, you know, try and impress your peers. And if you suck the boss's dick for long enough, maybe you can level up in this career field. And maybe, just maybe, your promotions will overtake inflation. And maybe, just maybe, you can retire at 63 instead of 65. This was what was sold to us. And this was the path that I was going down. But I got really, really lucky. Because just after I graduated from university, I stumbled upon this book, which is an absolute goldmine. And it is genuinely the reason why I'm here today. The Millionaire Fastlane by MJ DeMarco. I'm going to summarize it for you. It taught me that there are three paths to wealth. There is the sidewalk, the slow lane, and the fast lane. And you need to determine which one you want to be in. The sidewalk is kind of like full of the bumbling idiots that you know. Probably kind of like the, the guys who smoke weed, who drink. They're making pretty much no progress to financial goals. They're there buying the newest branded clothing instead of just wearing a bathrobe. They're there spending their paychecks on weed and, and delivery. And they make pretty much no money, 700 or however much it is. And they've got no goals, no ambitions. They daydream. You can probably think of people who are like this, who are on the sidewalk. The slow lane is the person who follows the script. 
the slow lane is the person who's better than the sidewalker. He, this is the person who reinvests, who saves money, who puts it into their pension. This is the good boy, the person who, who realized the script 50 years ago and really wanted to do well in that life. This is the person who tells you to go to university, get a good job and suck the boss's dick and maybe after, you know, you can retire at 62 instead of 65. This is the person who reinvests and all this stuff. And he makes some progress. He's got some goals. He makes 27K a year, which is respectable. And he might hit his finance goals when he's 60 years old. Good boy. White picket fence. Two children. Maybe they can only afford one right now. His wife has to work full time. His wife has to work a few weeks after giving birth. Good boy. You're getting fucked by the system. These are also the same people who often complain about entrepreneurs and say that what I'm saying here sounds offensive. I'm on their side. Because if you're a slow laner, if your parents are slow laners, I sound some, like some dick right now. But let me just tell you about the fast lane. And I am not the professional in this whatsoever, but I'm just a, like a, I was a kid. I was a drunk kid who ended up discovering this. And the fast lane, the fast lane is achieved only through business. The fast lane is when you make a business that follows the commandments of sense. Five principles, which I'll walk you through. When you make a business like that and you sacrifice a lot and you dedicate yourself to making that business into a success, suddenly you're on the fast lane to success. Suddenly you're on the fast lane to wealth. You know, the slow lane is full of the doctors and, and 100%, by the way, let me just give a disclaimer. If there's people out there who really, really love their jobs and, you know, they make 20K a year, but they love, okay, fair enough, fair enough. This message goes out to the guys who don't even care about what they do. They just want to make money or you want to find joy in the thing that you do, but you don't really want to go to university. Every time I talk about entrepreneurship and business, there's always some cretins online saying, oh, but the doctors are really important. I've not said that they're not. Oh, but you know, but doctors can have really good lives. Of course they can. If you want to be a doctor, 100% go to university, follow that pathway. But if you aren't thinking like that, if you're thinking like, oh, I'm not really sure. I, yeah, sure, it'd be nice to make a few thousand a month or 10,000 a month or 100,000 per month, but I don't really care that much what I do. I could be a YouTuber, I could be a doctor. You know, I just wanna, I'm not too sure right now then please don't go to university. Don't go down the normal path because that path is just very slow. It's the slow lane. I want you to imagine this. Imagine on the slow lane, the slow lane to success, to wealth. There's a doctor. That doctor has went through years and years and years of education. He went to college, he went to university, he graduated from university, started working. In the UK, we have what's called junior doctors and they make 30K a year. That junior doctor is on the road right now. Then imagine that there's 10 of those guys, 10 of these junior doctors that went to school for four years or eight years. And you know, imagine what they went through in that kind of environment. Then imagine that there's a hundred junior doctors all working together, all working, making 30K a year, a hundred of them. All of them have went to school for four years or eight years or however long it is. All 100 make less money than me. Now you can say, oh, that, that, that's, that's cap. That's surely got to be cap. This is, again, it's not disrespect to those guys. They work a lot harder than me. Their job's more important than mine. I'm just a YouTuber. But this is the difference between the fast lane and the slow lane. The slow lane aims to retire at 60 or 58. The fast lane aims to retire more like 30. 30 years of your life saved working a job that you maybe didn't like so much. The fast lane is the route to masculine freedom. You see, like masculinity, you know, this is a phrase, a topic that's spoke about so much these days, but still people don't really understand what masculinity is, right? You've seen take go viral. You hear about masculinity, gotta be more masculine, but people don't actually explain what it is. You wanna know masculinity in one simple word? It is freedom. The more masculine you are, the more freedom that you want, the more of a release that you want from constraints and chains. And so financial freedom is usually the first pillar that most guys will get into. And so it is your duty as a masculine man to consider what will make you financially free and to be conscious and to be happy and confident of that decision. Because these days, there's a, there's, it's almost seen as cringe wanting to be an entrepreneur and people saying, oh, you know, just go work traditional jobs and just go, you know, go overwork and get underpaid. Come on, it'll build character. Sure. 
Sure, if you want to live that life, if you want that job, absolutely. But if you are here right now because you're a young masculine man and you want to achieve financial freedom and you want to provide for your family, then the fast lane is of course the route to go. You learn how to work in a business. You make your own business. And I will walk you through these steps just as I did. Because I learned this stuff in three years. It took me three years to get to this point. I'm very lucky that I stumbled upon this book. So those are the three lanes that you can get into to the root of wealth. Just for an actionable step, I want you just to think of one person who goes in each of these lanes. Who is this, the sidewalker that you know? I can imagine him right now wearing like branded clothing. He's got, you know, that like the fashionable um, Gucci brand or, you know, like some like, he spends quite a lot of money on that. He's got one of the newest iPhones, but he's late on his bills. Maybe he buys weed or he buys alcohol or he buys snack stuff that he shouldn't be able to afford. He only does the absolute bare minimum. You can think of who it is, right? Now pick someone for your, your slow laner. Who is like this person who only goes to the route that the matrix wants them to go down? You know, the good boy, they're working really hard. And, and we've got a little bit of respect for these guys that the slow laner is a lot better than the side, like sidewalker is a complete degenerate. Slow laner is like a hardworking guy who's in school right now. And we've got still respect for him. He's got some good character traits. It's just education and exposure that these guys lack. Who is your sidewalker? Uh, who, sorry, who is your slow laner? I can imagine, for example, my brother, my father. I can imagine some guys that I went to university with. These are the guys who have listened to the system's message. They just worked as hard as possible and they, they you know, went to school or, or whatever. Do you know any fast laners? What comes to mind for me is Andrew Tate, myself, Eman, MJ DeMarco himself, the author of this book, Ali Abdal. Andrew Kirby, I know all these young guys who are literally younger than 30 and they're all millionaires. Now that you have like your characters, your people for each three, and you don't have to say this out loud, you don't have to be this asshole who tells, you know, don't text your friend, oh, by the way, you're the, you're the sidewalker, haha, <laughs> here's Hamza's video. <laughs> now that you know which person, just ask yourself truly, which person do you want to be more like when it comes to building wealth? Just choose. So how do you become a fast laner? There's a few principles to the kind of business that you need to build that will make you into a millionaire fast laner. There's five and they are sense, control, entry, need, time and scale. Let me walk you through them. Control is whether or not you have control of the business and also the livelihood of it. If there's something with high control, a business with high control, that means that there's no one entity that can fuck you. If there's a business with low control, that means that there is some kind of entity, company, client who can ruin your life. What do you think YouTube is? Answer this right now. As a YouTuber, do I have high control or low control over my business? High or low? It's low. Right, because YouTube as a company can just ban me and they've shown that they will do this. So I have low control over my business, that's a bad thing. Then there is entry. Entry refers to how hard it is to enter this business. Is it super hard? Which means that there's kind of like a moat around your business. You remember what a moat is in like history class? Like there'll be a castle and there'll be a moat which is dug out and filled with water or spikes or alligators. And that way it's like a defensive ring around your business. Entry is a moat. How hard is it to enter your business as a YouTuber? How hard is it for another guy to just start making YouTube videos? Very easy. So in this case, we'll say that's a low entry, like it's a bad level of entry. How about need? How hard, how, how much of a need is there for this business? Think about the thing that you want to get into or maybe YouTube. How much of a need is there? How much value are you providing? What, what level of pain points are there in the business or the market that you're getting into? Need is all about just how many people want to buy the thing that you're about to produce. 
For a YouTuber, it's very mixed. You might think, oh, it's a low need. For example, a doctor, we could say it's a really high need, really in demand. YouTuber, in a weird way, it's it's a medium to high need because of how much the demand is of people who watch YouTube or content or social media or TikTok, for example. You wouldn't think that a TikToker is needed, but the kind of is because the demand is there. And let's say with YouTube, this advice which I give out is very needed. So I wouldn't say that YouTube is low need, even if it's something that's a little bit pathetic, like an entertainment YouTuber who does these challenges of, you know, like the, um, I tried doing this and, you know, Mr. Beast style thing. You can still say that's a high need because people are still watching that because people need to be entertained. Of course, they should probably get educated instead, but we can say that's relatively high need. So if you're thinking about a business right now, you should be following along and asking these questions and I'll, and I'll walk you through like an actionable step in a second. Then time. And this is the one that most people actually know about. You want a business that's detached from your time so that your time has leverage. As a YouTuber, do I have a good use of time in this business? Is it detached from my time? Yes, I can make a video and a video from two years ago is still making me money today. Awesome, there's high leverage on my time. For a doctor, for example, does he have high leverage on his time? Not at all. He can only work for 12 hours a day. He can't produce something that kind of does you know, the work for him, whereas the content does, like the, the video does the work for me. So he's got low usage of his time. And then finally, scale. Can you scale? Can you help or give value to hundreds or thousands or millions of people at once? As a YouTuber, you can. As a doctor, you can't. So these are just some examples of sense. It's very interesting and it's very worthwhile for you to almost write down, if you wanted to do this, write down the letter C-E-N-T-S and whatever business model you're thinking, put it against sense. Now, it does not need to be totally that every single one is checked off. For example, as a YouTuber, most of them aren't checked off. But it's just something to, to guide you into making a business decision. You might be wondering, what is the absolute ideal business with this sense protocol? Is this something that has yes on every single one? And there actually is. And this is probably the business which the most successful, intelligent people are getting into, but it's not one that you could probably get into, right? It's certainly not one that you should be considering as a beginner. When you're making maybe 100,000 per month, you can start to consider this. The business is making your own software. By this, I mean, for example, instead of being a YouTuber, you make YouTube. So this takes like millions of dollars. You've got a team of nerds who you've hired who are making the platform. You're, you're making the next TikTok. You're making the next Uber. These things require a, a fuck ton of money, right? But for example, let's say software, like you're making your own YouTube. This is what it is. Is there control? Do you have control over the business? Yes, you actually do because there's no one person who can just shut you down because you're making your own thing. Is there high entry? Do you have a, a large moat around your business? Is it hard for other people to, to do the same thing? Yes, of course, because it's super expensive. Is there a need for it? Yes, of course there is because there's always a need for better technology, better apps. It's very cutthroat, but if you can be a few percentage better than Uber, after five years, you will take over and you will have that billion dollar market share. Is it leveraged on your time? Do you get like more output for your time? Yes, because the software will grow even when you're sleeping. And finally, is it scalable? Can a million people use your thing at once? Yes, they can. All five but that is super hard to get into. If you're thinking, oh, but I'll do it anyway, you know, do the hard work. No, no, no. This isn't something that you can just start as like a beginner. It would be very foolish to, to have no experience unless if you are maybe the software developer to begin with. If that's like the skill you've been working on for five years, 10 years, then go ahead. If you're more of like a, a skillless normal guy and you're thinking, okay, which business would make me 5K, 10K? Do not choose something like software. Once you're making 100K or a million per month, then you can go and make your own like TikTok or something. But that's a very big goal to move to. That was the Millionaire Fastlane and it really did change my life. I have a video on my main channel if you wanna go search how Andrew Tate got rich and I did a video, a full length one and a half hour video with the author of this book on his second book and I just explained like the principles of this in a way deeper sense and I told like some good stories. I explained how Andrew Tate may have made some money and the author MJ DeMarco answered some questions for us. So you can just go search that on my, uh, my YouTube channel. About two years ago, I'm in my bedroom, opening up my laptop, and I'm about to hop onto my first coaching call, which is on an expensive rate. So I've been doing coaching before this for about a year. Coaching is where someone pays you and you just hop on like a video call to answer their questions and to give them advice. 
And before this point, I had charged literally one pound, like one dollar per hour. I was charging less than what teenagers in third world countries charge. And here I was on this day about to speak to this client named Ryan who had paid me 90 pounds. Huge. Before this, I had really started to dislike coaching because I was seeing that the clients that I had weren't really taking it super seriously. Now remember, they were paying one pound per hour. And so I'd, you know, I'd go onto these calls, pour my life out to these guys and tell them, come on, let's, you know, let's type up, rise and grind, bro. Let's go do some push-ups and you know, let's do this. And they just kind of like listen to what I was saying, but they wouldn't make any real progress. And I kept on hearing it, that I've got to increase my prices because that would get people better results. And it made sense. I wanted to increase my prices. I was charging far less than minimum wage, but I was scared. I was terrified. I feared the 14 year olds on YouTube who might come in and call me a ripoff or a scammer. And so for a very long time, I really underpriced myself. It was when I read the book, $100 million offers by Alex Hamozi. And it really talks about how you should navigate pricing your products and services so that you make more money, but also that the person who's bought your stuff actually gets better results themselves. And it makes sense. But I was scared of doing that. So I've read this book, it says, okay, increase the prices and I'm there on my laptop about to increase the price. And I'm literally thinking like, people are gonna hate me for this. You know, as soon as people know that I'm gonna charge more for anything that I'm doing, people are gonna comment online, you know, this was when my YouTube channel was really small. But I think, you know what, I'm gonna do it. Because pricing myself at one pound an hour is not good enough. And so I put in the biggest number that I can think of. I set my hourly rate to 90 pounds an hour. And someone buys on the same day, and this was Ryan. And so I'm about to hop onto this call with Ryan, thinking that he's some like rich guy or something. And he's literally just an ordinary young man who wants to know more about fitness and mental health. And he's watched a couple of my videos. I have a pretty good call with him, but I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, I didn't expect much. Previously, I'd have good calls with people. They'd message me like, oh, well, you know, hey, I haven't done anything that you told me to. It didn't work. I just relapsed again. And I wanna get more clients, I wanna make more money. And so I take my sales page where I'm selling this 90 pounds an hour coaching, by the way, as a 23 year old who's currently on government welfare, and I'm about to go share it on YouTube and I press send literally thinking, okay, I'm gonna get hate. And just as I expected, my notifications start blowing up like crazy. I, I hear my phone ding, ding, you know, just start going off. And I'm literally thinking, okay, these guys, you know, like my fans, some, some subscribers are commenting saying that my thing is a, a ripoff, that I'm overcharging, that it's a scam. You know, these 14 year olds are going crazy in the comments saying, look at this, everyone, he's increased his prices. It's not fair and everything else. And when I actually look at my phone, I realize it's not messages from these 14 year olds. It's actually messages from Ryan. And he sent me a picture. He sent me a picture of his habit tracker. And below it, he said, just checked off every single habit. I did the workout that you recommended. It was really hard, but I got through and I feel awesome. I also downloaded the meditation app and I did the five minute version of the daily meditation, like you said, and it feels kind of nice. I understand why you meditate every single day. What's next? I was actually taken aback by this. I'm looking at his habit tracker with this unexpected feeling of fulfillment. That here is a young man who's actually taken my advice and his life has already improved and he's already on a great track. You know, imagine this. Imagine that there's like a young man out there who's usually got addictions and problems and, and pains and suddenly he really gets onto self-improvement. And I realized that all this time it was never about the money. It was about the impact that I wanted to have on the, the men that I wanted to help. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But the numbers in my bank account meant less to me than the ticks on Ryan's habit tracker. It was on that day that I realized that it was actually my duty to charge higher prices so that the people who did want to give me money to like, you know, level up their self-improvement even more so that they would get better results because when someone pays, they pay attention. I want to use this section now as a very quick shameless plug. The top link of the description on this YouTube video is a link for Adonis School. I really do think it's an awesome place. It's a little bit pricey, so most people can't afford it. But if you're someone who really wants to invest in your journey to become an entrepreneur and make money online, and you want to be surrounded in a community of guys who are like you and learn how to develop your character and learn from me and, and seven of the coaches I've hired, that's the top link in the description. Go there right now. The second book that's helped me to make a lot of money is... $100 million offers by Alex Hamozi. In this book, he breaks down what exactly to sell, what exactly an offer is, because there's only two things you need to know to sell online, you know. There's only two things to make money. It's the offer and traffic. The offer is what you're selling in exchange for money, and traffic is obviously like just people going to your site and people who you've you know, paid for advertisements or YouTube videos. It's just people, right? You need to understand the concept of offer. And once you understand that, you'll actually begin to see selling something, especially online, in a completely different way. So when you think about selling something, you think about selling a product, right? Like for example, an ebook. When you think about selling a product, it's actually super weak. You won't sell many of that thing. If you just want to sell an ebook, you just want to sell a bathrobe, you just want to sell a bit of your coaching service, your, your little one-to-one um, -one coaching call, right? Because it's not the product that someone wants to buy, it's the transformation. It's not that someone wants to buy coaching. They want to buy the weight loss. They want to buy the feeling of fitting into the clothes that gets them socially validated. What I'm trying to say to you is people don't buy your products and services. They buy the transformation. And so we think that they'll want to buy our products, but it's not exactly about the product. It's about what they really wanted. And so the idea behind this book, which really helped me, was to just destroy the idea of the singular product that you sell and rather to sell in more of an offer package that will just help someone to get to their dream goal with you giving them so much more. And so this is the exact step that you can do, which has really helped me. And you'll want to write this down. Whatever you were planning to charge for any product or service that you've got. And if you don't have an idea right now, just think about it as like your hourly rate in a job. Whatever you are planning to charge, times it by 10. Times it by 10 and then look at that number. And right now it might seem scary because you think, wait, wait, I can't charge this much. Look at that number and now ask yourself, what could I do for this person that they would want and value for it to be worth this price? What other things could I give them? Let me give you an example. Let's say you're a video editor and you normally charge, you're, you're a video editor on Fiverr.com, so you underprice yourself and you charge £3.50 per edit. It takes you like half an hour, let's say one hour, right? You charge five bucks an hour. You're gonna be broke because charging five bucks an hour is not gonna make you any real money, right? You might be 14 years old and think that's good, but you could make a lot more just by following this simple thing. How about you times it by 10? Okay, you're gonna charge 50 bucks an hour just for video editing, no, no, no. Now you think to yourself, okay, what does the person who would want this service actually want? What does the YouTuber who would go and hire a video editor actually want? 
Does he just want a video editor? No, he doesn't give a fuck about hiring a video editor. What he wants is a video that performs well on YouTube and he wants to save his time. So you start to think about these things, okay, this is the thing that the guy actually wants. Then you start to think, okay, what are 20, 50 things extra that I could give him, that I could do for him, that would help him in his goal? So you start to think, okay, well, I can edit his video, but you know what? I'm going to tell him, I will, if you give me permission on, on your YouTube thing, I will log on to YouTube. I will upload it for you. I'll put the right title, description, text. I'll even make the thumbnail for you and I'll schedule it at peak times for you. So you literally don't have to do anything. That's awesome. Now imagine the difference between this. This is the video editor who charges five bucks an hour and no one respects him. And this is the guy who's charging 50 bucks, but he's saying, okay, I will do all these other things that will save you time. Which one, and as a YouTuber myself, which one am I gonna hire? This guy automatically, because he's put such a low price, I'm gonna think he's shit. That's just the truth of it. I'm gonna think this guy's skill is fucking trash. If he's charging five bucks an hour, this guy charges more than everyone else. And he's put a massive list. I know you're a YouTuber who wants to save his time. And so this, these are the extra things I will do for you. I'll even make the thumbnail. I'll make it high, high click through rate. I'll do the titles, everything. I'll, I'll do it all. So you don't even have to like log on to YouTube anymore. And you can focus on creating videos. Imagine how much more money this guy would make. And he's charging 10 times more. Think about the power of that. He's just added to his skill set. He's charging more, which means that he's going to attract wealthier clients who can spend more money. Usually, like, this is just the truth, what we just learned in the story with Ryan. When someone pays more, they start paying attention. People who have got more money are always just better people to deal with. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. You can, you, you can say that I'm, I'm being hurtful or something. When you're selling to someone who's richer, they are almost always better customers than selling to someone who's broke. The guy who's, who prices his video editing for five bucks is only going to get shit clients. But the guy who, for example, says he'll edit the video and do all this for five, for 50 bucks or for 500, who can afford that? The top tier YouTubers who are actually successful. And so you start networking with these big dogs. So this is something that a lot of guys have a huge limiting belief about. You're thinking, well, I can't, I can't charge that much because of this. Hamza told me that, you know, 10 times more, but I can't because of this. You think that there's a special reason that you can't do this. Maybe you're young and thinking, oh, but people don't have that much money. That's one of the limiting beliefs I've always heard. And I always say to that, bro, you're 14. Most of your friends have got AirPods. Most of your friends have got $100 shoes. So shut the fuck up that, oh, but I'm only 14. That it's, that it's, it's too cheap. Oh, but, but you know, I'm, I'm in India. First of all, bro, you're selling to people worldwide. And second of all, have some fucking respect for yourself. Like stop belittling your own country and your origins. Oh, but I'm in India and you know, people don't make that much money. There's billionaires in India. How the fuck do you think you're going to sell to them if you're pricing your shit at $1 per hour? What do you think the billionaires and the multimillionaires in India are buying from? They're not buying from little peasants who are charging $1 an hour. They're buying from a guy who had the confidence, the audacity to charge $100 an hour. So why would you not put yourself in that position? I, I speak to young men every single day in a Donna school about this because they don't want to price their things high enough. And I, I shout at them and I tell them, okay, price it like this. I'm telling you, I've already done all the split tests. I've already got all the data. Here is the data. It's better if you price your product at this much, like $500. And still I'll see guys come in like, oh no, no, I, I've only put it at 99 because I'm really young. It's like, what the fuck? The, the whole point is that you listen to the guy who's who's got years of experience in business. Every guy who's in business will tell you the exact same thing. Don't undercharge yourself. It's something that every single businessman has done. When you undercharge yourself, you get the worst clients. They put in less work. You care about them less. You give them a worse service and your self-image is lowered because you're a $5 an hour kind of guy or a $25 an hour kind of guy. Guess how much my hourly rate is? It doesn't even have a number because it's too absurd for me to write it down anywhere. It's literally too expensive for me to sell an hour of my time these days. If I was going to give you a random number, which you think would be stupid to say, it'd be about $10,000 for an hour of my time. If a businessman wanted me to hop on a call with him and give him YouTube advice for an hour, I would probably charge about 10K. And you're thinking, that, oh, well, no one would pay that. I'm here on your side trying to help you to make more money. And you're fighting against your own success by saying, no, 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 but Hamza, I can't charge that much because I've got a really small penis. 
You know, no, hey, Hamza, here's seven reasons why I'm not that good. What I love about this idea of pricing more, which is what we've learned in this book, is that when you do put up your price, that's when your brain starts to think of ways that you can make it worth it. If straight away you allow these limiting beliefs that have been put onto you by, by the peasants or the media or your parents, these limiting beliefs, then you won't do it. But if you just, just open up your brain and really just think to yourself, okay, if I did charge 10 times more and I had to make it worth it, just as a fun practice, like don't get fucking offended at me, just for a fun practice, why don't you just spend 10 minutes just doing this? As an actionable step, like why don't you just think about how much you're getting paid right now, whether it's a business or maybe it's like, you know, being an employee. If, you, if you've never really made money before, then you could maybe choose the minimum wage for your age in your country. So in the UK, it's, you know, it's seven pounds an hour. And you could think to yourself, okay, how could I be worth 70 pounds for an hour of my time? What could I do and for what kind of person? For me, let's say I've told you my hourly rate would be 100, would be 10K. I could ask myself, okay, what could I do for someone that would be worth a hundred K, but only require an hour of my time. I'd go choose some kind of businessman who's already doing 1 million a month, but he's only got a few thousand subscribers on YouTube. And I'd go and investigate his channel for like 10, 20 minutes. And I'd go and like maybe record him like a loom or go onto a video call with him and give him five or 10 practical things he could start to implement straight away. I could even connect him with, for example, one of my editors. I could connect him with my thumbnail guy and suddenly he's got like a team of capable people who are helping him. Then I can also let him text me and say that, okay, I can give you two minutes of my time per week after this. Then I can also... I can go on to a quick couple of messages with his team if he's got a personal assistant, if he's got a content director. You see, like, instead of just giving the base level and taking the scraps of what you could make, you charge five to 10 times more and you package it while just thinking, okay, what is his goal? It's just the thinking practice and a lot of guys don't have this like power of belief where they, they just wanna undercharge themselves and it really shows. So it's all about packaging up what you're selling as this big offer to the cure of their problems rather than selling a specific service at once. And that idea changed my life because instead of, for example, selling a course, I put seven courses inside of a private community where people can speak to me and they can also get 10 calls a week, live calls a week with sleep experts and testosterone coaches and a Buddhist monk to teach you about dopamine detox and meditation and calls with me and a call with this guy who's really good at the way of the superior man so he can help you with finding your purpose then affiliate marketing call. Like I've put all of that together rather than just being like, oh, hey, you know, I'll go onto a call with you or rather than it being, okay, you know, you can buy this course. It's this entire package is what I sell. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, you get... 10 things that would help you when you buy my program. And that's why I charge 10 times more than for example, Andrew Tate's program. Because we have the same offer, but I charge 10 times more than his. Give me a year and see how many people have joined mine because I will be making a lot of money from this. And there is one final book that has really helped me to make a huge amount of money. This was a long time ago now. I'm in the kitchen of my house and there's screaming. I turn and see my mother and she's, she's screaming, she's yelling, she's ranting, she's so angry. I can't believe this has happened. Are you okay? Did he hurt you? We need to tell your father about this. She's angry and upset and taken back about the fact that I just had a fight with a man. And not just any man. This guy is, he's bigger than me. He's stronger than me. He knows all of my moves because he taught me them. This man is my big brother. Now he's not actually a man. He's, he's 14 years old and I'm 12. But he's hit puberty and I haven't. And so I'm looking up to him like this. Motherfucker six foot one with a full beard and here I am with gyno. And we're two brothers who are having fights. And my mom is yelling and yelling and yelling. 
And you know, when you look at a word, like you've been writing and you look at a word for so long, the word starts to look a bit weird and, and you're trying to think, wait, have I spelled that wrong? Is that what that word looks like? The same thing was happening to my mother's face because I was just looking at it for five, 10, 20 minutes. Is that actually what she looks like? I don't think I've ever looked at my mom's face for this long before. And so right about now, it seems like the perfect time for me to go for a nap. And so I go to the other room, I grab a cushion from the couch and I put it down on the floor and as if it's a normal thing to do when you're getting shouted at by your mom next to your brother, I just lie down on the floor nice and comfy like this and just look up to my mom. A few days later, me and my brother fight again. My mom was trying to pass on the wisdom and the knowledge and the values of brotherhood. She was telling me about stories of her and her brother who has passed away, of loyalty and friendship and love and blood. And I wasn't able to take that wisdom. Me and my brother once. The reason why is because I was distracted. I wasn't able to focus when my mother was trying to pass me on to this lesson. And so I didn't learn the lesson until a solid 10 years later. The book, Deep Work by Cal Newport goes into this and it tells you about what a shallow life you can live if you live in a state of distraction, if you're unable to focus. Most people can't focus, most people aren't present, most people are mindless. And so when you speak to them, you know this, whether it's a family member or a friend, some people's brains are just weird, switched off, AFK, and you're trying to speak to them and they're literally on their phone whilst they speak to you, just brain dead. Or you can see that like, they're thinking about the latest fucking TikTok dance whilst you try and communicate with your girl. Imagine when these kinds of people then go and do work. Their work is gonna be a reflection of this, this brain dead ADHD, that mind that they have, this monkey brain that's just going chaotic. Monkey brain that's got rabies. What I learned from this final book that has really helped me, which is called Deep Work by Cal Newport, is the power of focus. If you can focus on the task at hand, if you can focus on the person who's speaking to you, you can create amazing success. You see, the success that you want comes down from you being able to be good at what you do. Whether it's, for example, being totally present and loving in a conversation with your lady, or it's to be super focused in a flow state whilst you work. As I say these words to you, there are absolutely zero thoughts in my mind and there hasn't been for the last hour or so. I don't know if you believe me or not, but there is literally zero thoughts in my mind. And I bet you're probably thinking that's, that might be kind of nice to experience. Imagine if there was zero thoughts in your mind whilst you work and so all you were focused on, you were in a flow state of just completing the task to the best of your ability. This is what athletes call being in the zone. You know, you always hear of athletes giving interviews and they always say something like, oh, but you know, I just get into the zone and then I don't think anything. The zone is like being in a flow state. It's a place where you will act to the best of your abilities compared to your brain just piping up. You know that time when you've been trying to read a book and you keep having to reread the same like paragraph or sentence because your brain just thinks about something else? That's the exact opposite of this. Now imagine living life like that. Imagine having sex with your brain like that. Do you think you're gonna be uniting with your lover? Imagine the last conversation you're ever gonna have with your mother while she's on her deathbed. And here's your brain thinking about Candy Crush or Clash of Clans or some weird fucking game that you play. Imagine how much of life you're missing out because of a brain that just won't shut the fuck up. I took this to an extreme level. I learned the principles of being able to focus without distractions and I did a complete 180. You know, for most of my life, this is, I'm not even embarrassed to say this, for most of my life, I couldn't even read. I genuinely couldn't read. Of course, I can, I can read English, but I literally would get one or two sentences in and I'd need to just stop and my brain would just go weird and I'd be thinking about something else and I'd try and reread the same sentence again and again. And 
or when it came to school, university, or you're trying to build my business three, four years ago, I'd literally just be there in front of the computer and my brain would get distracted and I'd click away and then I'd get a notification that I'd message someone, then I'd literally go and take weed breaks. I'm sat there trying to learn how to meditate for the first time in my life. I download the app and I'm testing it. Okay, three minutes is the smallest time. I put the three minute one on eyes closed, trying to do it, feeling a bit like, you know, like weird and uncomfortable. And it's just so slow. Take a deep breath and, you know, do this. It's so slow and so boring and I can't stay focused. And I check how long I've been meditating for and it was 45 seconds. And then I take a break from meditation and go and smoke weed. I couldn't even meditate for three minutes straight without smoking weed as a nice little break or treat in the middle. And now I work for multiple hours in a row without breaks, without distractions. There's someone who's just knocked on the door. I don't know if you heard that, the, the doorbell. And of course, I, I can acknowledge the distraction. There is someone outside of my house right now. I'm hoping that my parents will open the door. Otherwise, I might need to go run down and see if Amazon's got my parcels. But my brain isn't actually distracted. There isn't deep thoughts in my brain. And I'm still able to speak to you the exact same way as I was two minutes ago. You can see that I have not lost any level of focus. Think about it. I am speaking right now to how many people? 200,000, 300,000, and I have still not lost my focus. How did I get here from a guy who couldn't even meditate for more than 46 seconds straight? Meditate almost every single day of your life. Doing your meditation inside of your morning routine for me is absolute crucial. The only time I've ever been able to meditate consistently is when I, it's in my morning routine. If I don't meditate in my morning routine, I just miss literally 50, 60, 70% of days. The second thing, is to destroy these distractions which are seeping away at your focus. You know, my phone has been on silent and do not disturb mode for over three years straight. Think about that. My phone has been on silent and do not disturb for over three years. If I get a new phone, it's automatically, I'll put it in that setting and it just does not come off that. For the last few months, my phone has been on airplane mode when I'm not using it. This, this video is 54 minutes long I promise I wasn't thinking this. Let's, do you want to see right now if my phone is on airplane mode? I don't know. Is it? Sometimes I turn the internet on and it is. The internet is on as well. Fair enough. I didn't turn the internet off before, but it's still on like the airplane mode there. Usually what I do is it's on airplane mode and I put, turn the internet on to use it. Then I turn the internet off. Sometimes I kind of forget to turn the internet on. So I've got like a 50-50 bit of success there. So <laughs> Another thing that I've done, I've went on my phone. If you go onto the general notifications. I went through every single app and turned it off. You know, the notifications. And also this, a lot of phones have this these days where if you press the screen, the screen lights up, or if there's a notification, the screen lights up, or if you just even like, um, it's, this is called rise to wake. If you just pick up your phone, the screen lights up. My phone does not light up for anything. I have to manually press the power button for it to turn on. And there's no emoji, there's no um, notifications there. I don't get notifications so that this way my phone is quiet. There's no disruption to my focus. And I'm being challenged right now. The door has rang three times in the last 10 minutes and I'm still able to speak to you exactly the same. This is a skill and asset that I have literally trained so that I can stay focused. Imagine if my, my focus went away 10 minutes ago. Imagine if I was there like, oh, goodies, you know, uh, Amazon parcels come. I wonder what it is. Imagine if my phone went off whilst I was recording this and I was like, oh, well, you know, the, the editor will clip this bit out. What, what, what's going to happen here? And my brain starts thinking of something else. Well, what's the Amazon parcel? I don't know what it is. I don't know who's outside. I'm assuming it's Amazon because they usually come at this time, but I don't know. What I'm trying to say is that you must set up this distraction-free lifestyle so that you can focus. You don't want anything else in your peripheral vision. You don't want any sounds to pop up. You don't want to be working and then your phone goes off. To me, that's disrespectful. I'm telling you, you're disrespecting yourself with the way that you live. If your phone is loud, it shows me that you don't have that much respect for yourself. I'm just going to be honest. Maybe you live a completely different life, but if you live a life where, for example, your work is on your computer and you know the importance of focus, you know that a notification sound can pull you away from your work. 
if your phone is still on loud mode, if your phone's notifications aren't turned off for any limiting belief, it, it shows me you don't respect yourself that much. Now, if you want to respect yourself more, then here's the actionable step. Go into your phone right now. I'll do this with you. Go into your phone right now. Go to the general or the settings and go to general. And there's a notification. You got on iPhone, you can just search it or it's right there at the, the main page. There, click on notifications. And all these apps, you can turn them off Every single one that gives you notifications, Instagram, Spotify, bank account, WhatsApp. If someone texts me, I don't see it until I click on like the actual texting um, app, WhatsApp, for example. I don't see the notification. I don't see it. I, it doesn't pop up in my screen. It doesn't make a sound or anything. Now you might be thinking, wait, but you'll be replying to people slower. What if there's an emergency? Emergencies, you depend if you are the first person protocol for someone to message you. For example, you've got a son and you need to reply really fast because just in cases, fair enough. But what I will tell you is there's been no emergencies in the last four years, three years. There's been none. What if someone texts you and you don't reply fast enough? It's bro. What if you do reply fast enough? What if you do reply fast enough? And now you're living this kind of life where you are this guy who replies quickly. Where you're this guy who will interrupt your deep work, your focus work, just to quickly reply back to someone because of insecurity. Because that's what it is, right? It's insecurity. When you feel secure of yourself, you don't worry. Oh man, you know, what if someone gets upset that I didn't reply fast enough? You, you literally think in a, in a non-disrespectful way. Fuck them. If there's anyone in my list who gets offended that the fact that I've replied slowly. Fuck them. Because this is the priority. My growth, my focus... My mental health is the priority. I think this needs to be normalized. Now, I seem like an asshole for saying this and people might be watching thinking, oh, but you know, your, your, your friends should be really poor, but your, what if your family messages you? They can wait. This video will be done in 10 minutes and I can check my messages then. Why would I interrupt my potential for the gift that I could give to the world with my work? You know, your work is like the vessel for your contribution for humanity. Why would you sacrifice the quality of that with these routine distractions? So for this actionable step, there's multiple things you can do for your phone that will destroy it as a source of distraction. Number one, literally just put it on silent mode. This is good for you. I know it can seem a bit scary because the first time I was considering this, I was thinking, wait, what if I'm slow to reply? What if like a girl messages me and I don't see it till the next day and I don't end up fucking bro? Who cares? What if you do see it? What if you do go and waste your life? And what if you literally achieve 60% of your potential? Because you do realize something, the smallest negatives to your work equal an absolutely massive catastrophic sacrifice in the results that you get. Do you understand what it means to be a winner? What it means to be number one? I want you to imagine right now, there's a race and there's Usain Bolt. He's the fastest man alive, he wins the race. The attention, the money, the... the Congratulations of the entire world. 99% of it goes to Usain Bolt, number one. The second guy, 0.8% goes to him and 0.2% goes to the other guys who, you know, they get interviewed. Usain Bolt is the fastest man alive, right? Tell me who the second fastest man is on the entire world. Nobody knows. Who's the second man who ever stepped foot on the moon? Nobody fucking knows. The first person, the winner, the number one, he gets the magnitude of results. And the guy who's second place, by the way, second place does not mean he's significantly worse. Second place usually literally means like 0.8 seconds slower, right? If Usain Bolt got 100 meters in, in six seconds, the other guy got it in 6.4. So he wasn't significantly worse. The other guy lost because he had one bad day three months ago where he missed training for some bullshit. So you've got to understand the smallest thing that you do gives you the biggest difference in the rewards of life. Because if my business is 1% better than yours, that doesn't mean I'm going to get 1% more money. It means I'm going to get about two, three times more money than you. If my business, if my YouTube channel is 5% better than yours, I will get to a million subscribers and you will genuinely be on more like 50k. That's the difference the last 5% makes. And so do you want to sacrifice that 5% to be the little Spurg who's always quick on his phone to reply? Or would you rather secure that 5% and piss a couple of people off who are thinking, oh man, Hamza doesn't reply quickly. 
but they like you more because you're successful. Because when you're the winner, everyone sticks around anyway, even if you take a while to reply. And soon people kind of like respect it about yourself. Right now, if you do this, people won't respect it in you because you're still a loser. Let's be honest, you're not like the winner or, or you know, your business isn't making us fuck ton of money or anything, right? So when you first start to implement these practices and you start to detach away from your phone and stay more focused on your work and routinely go hours without checking your phone, which some, for some people, they don't even believe that's a possibility. I check my phone about five times a day. I genuinely sometimes don't check my phone till about 2 p.m. I hope that you can believe this. There'll be some guys who are watching this sure that I'm lying or exaggerating. You can get to a point in life where this is absolutely normal. There'll be some productive guys who know that, yeah, this that's not even special. It's, yeah, whatever. There's a lot of guys and, and young girls as well who, who wouldn't believe this. This is the difference between you securing that, that extra 5% of your potential and that 5% genuinely equals more like making an extra few hundred thousand dollars per year. It means you being better than the competition, which is huge. It's all in that last 5% and this is where that focus comes in. This is where that text that distracts you from your practice is unacceptable. You are watching videos like this because you, you want to be a winner. You don't want to be a normal person, bro. Do you think top tier athletes have their phone on loud when, when they're trying to practice? Do you think they take little phone breaks or do you think they try their absolute best to, to get into the state of flow, to get into the zone? Do you think, imagine a power lifter, he's about to go hit the, the deadlift competition. Do you think he's there checking his quick, checking Twitter quickly? Oh, what, what, what's Tate said on, on Twitter? What's happening with the case? Do you think he's thinking that? Or do you think it for the last 10 minutes, he's has his phone, like he's got his music on, for example, and he's literally just tuning into it, getting into the flow state. This is what you see with every top performer. Now you might not want to get to this world-class level, fair enough, because you've got to sacrifice a lot for that, but you can see what the best guys are doing and maybe you want to model some of those things. The other thing you can do is turn your phone on grayscale. You can literally just go to the settings, search for grayscale. It's usually in the accessibility um, section and that will make your phone black and white. That will always serve as a reminder for you to take a little bit less time on your phone. The idea behind this book, which really helped me, was to prioritize your focus in your work and to just push off all of these distractions as if it is your duty as a man to like really be focused. That's the concept of deep work. It's where you set the task and you just do the task without any micro change in the middle. So that means if I was going to do this, this video, I wouldn't pause it to go do something else for a couple of minutes. That would seem ridiculous. Like I'm lucky as a YouTuber, it's something so clear that I wouldn't just like pause this video for no reason. But most people do that with their work. When you've got some homework or you've got something on the computer and you're kind of doing this task right now, but then you, you know, you check discord then you check your messages, then you, you open discord and the noise pops up. Then you check it quickly because you're a Jeffrey and you can't control your brain. When you get a notification, you listen to music at the same time. These are all things that are sapping your potential. Why don't you, when you're working on a task, you just work on that task. And then when the task is done, go and check all the messages, go and listen to the music, go on, reply to your Discord friends, absolutely fine. But when you're doing the task, you focus on the task. Every guy knows this. When you go into the gym, those days when you don't even check your phone and you're just there with the hoodie up, you get the best fucking workout that you've had in a while. But those days that you're there and you're texting a few people and everything and you know, you're like, oh, well, I'm on a rest break anyway. I've got 90 seconds, so I may as well just check your phone. Those times, it's so weird because you would assume that texting doesn't change your focus in the gym, but it actually does. Guys know this. You never hit a PR when you've just had a set, when you've just been texting. You hit the PR when you literally don't even touch your phone, your hood's up, you've got music playing and you're literally just there like a psychopath just waiting for the next set. Every fucking guy who goes to the gym knows this because this is your focus. Why would you sap your potential as a man for this accomplishment, this beauty that you could, you could create and you could contribute to the world just to quickly check your messages. It's an addiction and it's weakness. I hope that by now you agree with this, but if you do, you need to follow this actionable step. You need to go and use this immediately. Like right now, grab your phone, put it on silent, turn off the notification. When you're doing a task, the idea is that you just focus on that one task.
you try not to even move your eyes onto anything else because I'm looking at you right now. If I start to kind of, you know, get a bit bored and I look around the room and I see that book over there, then I see my passport, then I see my phone, then I see that other book, then I see the pieces of like paper and, and you know, plaques on my wall and I see my journal. Imagine how many extra thoughts my brain would start to think about. That book, something I learned there, my passport, where should I go to next? My phone, oh, maybe, you know, Andrew sent me a message. The idea is if you can do this, this is one final quick tip that I found, which is quite autistic. Specifically, don't move your eyes off the task, off the screen. You know, like athletes say this, keep your eyes on the ball. This helps you stay focused. If for example, you're usually working on your computer, try for your eyes to not move away from your computer for literally one to two hours. You literally just look there. You don't even move your eyes slightly to the to the uh, phone or anything. I keep my water bottles in the exact same place so I can literally be focused on work and I can grab water without even looking for it and start drinking it while still like looking at the screen. This seems autistic, it seems stupid, it seems like, you know, an exaggeration. It's working for me. See those plaques, bro? You want them, don't you? There's a lot of guys, you know, YouTube's the most in-demand, um, most competitive job in the entire world. How do you think I got here as a guy three years ago whose brain didn't work when he was trying to read? This is why I'm speaking so seriously to you. I'm not, it's, this isn't even for you, this is for younger Hamza to just tell him what exactly I did. These were three books that really helped me. If you want to help me just as like, you know, a return because I've made this video for you and everything, the top link in the description, Adonis School. If you want to be an entrepreneur and you like this, this concept of like learning and using self-improvement and these weird hacks of like learning about focus and everything, these are things that I've obsessed over for three years and I'm literally teaching that along with all my other teachers that I've employed. Adonis School is a beautiful place. If you want to be an entrepreneur, go click that top link in the description right now. If you also just want to help me for free and everything, what you can do is just click on the share button underneath this video and go send the link out to a bunch of like the friends and group chats and DMs that you're in. Do the hard work, especially when you don't feel like it. Mwah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.